Just the Fake Ones is a podcast that talks about fictional murderers. Content warnings can be found in the episode's description. Last 15 years, I've lived in the head of a beluga whale. My name's Daly. My pronouns are she, her. I'm the class pet. Not in a cute way, but in a, hey, you kids probably shouldn't be taking care of this thing. My name's Rachel. My pronouns are she, her. I'm the last corner puzzle piece that you need to finish your puzzle, but I'm nowhere to be found. My name is Liz, and my pronouns are they, them. So this is just the fake ones we talk about, just fake murderers and for some reason we always try to give them an artsy twist because the writers of murderers tend to not write murderers realistically and we like to think about that and talk about it so spoilers for episode 5 of Hannibal (laughs) give me your life updates Life updates with Daily. I always go first. You go first. Daily, tell us about your life. You always kind of like wriggle out of this, and we never get to hear anything from Daily. <laughs> well, my life is boring. You say that, and maybe there's people out there who could think that. But to me, you're always like, I'm working on this new thing, and I'm doing this new thing, and I'm writing about this, and I have this new idea. So, why don't you share? Well, I I get new ideas, but I don't execute them. What am I doing? I don't know. Somebody else talk. I'll remember. The problem is my life is also pretty boring. Um, I guess future update this weekend is the Super Bowl, and... uh, Since I live in Philly, it's going to possibly be a war zone. Oh, Oh, no. Um, But I'm excited. The last time that there was a big hullabaloo about the Super Bowl was the first time the Eagles ever won, I think. So this will be like the, I guess, a couple notches less hectic, but not very much. Mm. But yeah, go birds. (laughs) And it'll be fun to see. Excited That's to see exciting. the Kelsey brothers uh, play against each other. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched the Super Bowl in about seven years. Same. <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing. The only reason that the Giants are not winning is because I stopped watching. Because the last time I watched football and the last time I watched the Super Bowl, I watched the whole season of football. Is that what it's called? Um, <laughs> so. In 2011, and I had a Super Bowl party and everything, um, and the Giants won, and I haven't watched it since then, and that's why they haven't been doing so good. So I just want to let you know that whenever I start watching it again, it's over for everyone else. (laughs) I think the the last time I watched 
uh, no, because I don't know how often the Eagles play, but the last time I watched the Super Bowl, the Eagles were playing. So that was like 2017? Yeah, probably. 2018. 2018. Ah. Which was... Did they win? Kay. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. They won? Alright, cool. Yep. Isn't it disgusting how 2018 was five years ago? Shut your I mouth. hate it. Shut your mouth. Right. I've never been a big sports or football person. So when I, when I moved to Illinois and when I started going to public school... People be like, oh, like, what's your, everyone's big Cub fans and Bears fans here. Like, oh, what, like, what team do you like? Like, what's your, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know. So, so I said that my favorite team was the Rams because Mm -hmm. that's my initials. (laughs) So, yep. And so now every time I had still know nothing, but whenever I see the Rams, I give them a little mental, like, thumbs up because because of that <laughs> what have you been doing what have i been doing what have you been doing i'm so bad at this i quit this, the last two weeks have gone by and weirdly i don't know mm. i mean i spent oh. the first week after my trip sleeping uh, yeah. <laughs> i don't know i've just been i'm in a reading slump right now because i'm I'm listening to an audiobook, which is how I do a lot of my reading while I'm at work. And this narrator, I'm I'm sure she's a very nice human being. She's driving me absolutely bananas. There's it's a group of teenagers, the characters, and there's like witchy stuff happening and two of those teenagers have very specific accents one of them is from Alabama and the other one is from England and the character from Alabama like I I'm from New York I'm not an expert on southern accents but I swear this character from Alabama she's given her a Georgia accent those are two distinct (laughs) places and different accents and the British character she is screaming all of his lines they're like Like Kuno a a little bit (laughs) but it's like um I had I had to pause like I was driving home and this part happened and I had to pause and be like no because I don't remember what the character said like I, I blocked it out but she yelled his line and then the tag was like Trent said quietly and I was like no that was not quiet oh no or like it was like thoughtfully or something and I was like no or gently it was gently it's like <laughs> Trent said gently and it was, that was not gently and I'm listening at like <laughs> 1.25 speed so I turned it to normal speed to see if it was just that it is not she's just (laughs) shouting all of his dialogue and oh no it's thrown me into a reading slump because i i'm like halfway through and i want to finish this book but i really just need to like dnf it so move on to the next thing do you think his dialogue could be written in all caps or (laughs) 
If it is, I've got a, a bone to pick with that author. <laughs> Maybe she can only... Um, I think she's just not good at accents, and that's talk. fine. Yeah, that's... Maybe she can only use the accent and yelling voice. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, like, the worst, like, the most egregious American person doing a British accent, you know? <laughs> you know. I'm not gonna try to do it, but you know. <laughs> you know. You know. You've heard it. <laughs> and if you don't, yes, you do. <laughs> and I, I don't want to say what book it is because I don't. Not that anybody will even listen to this and be like, oh, I know what you're talking about, but, you know. You well, know. What if they want to avoid it? You could save someone from your fate. No. Because <laughs> when we get famous in five years, somebody will be like, oh, okay, we're not going to get but famous But no one's going to listen to this, you said. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is it? Both. <laughs> we might have like one fan who will listen from the very beginning and if that's you hi hi Hello. i'm glad you're here don't be scared no don't leave it's okay <laughs> come back <laughs> okay good <laughs> darn it <laughs> all right are we ready to talk about this tv show we certainly have a TV show to talk about. Okay, so the plot summary on Hannibal.Fandom.com, which is where I'm going to for pretty much all of these, is Will Graham and the BAU team track a serial killer whose bloody ritual includes cutting the victim's back flesh and stretching it to look like angel wings. Returning to the field weighs heavily on Will's psyche, and Hannibal tries to drive a wedge between Will and Jack. Meanwhile, Jack Crawford's wife, Bella, pulls away from him and begins seeing Hannibal as her therapist, in an effort to come to terms with the fact that she is dying. Beverly tries to connect with Will on a more personal level. I don't know why that's... In it's the, like five seconds. It's literally it's a it's a good scene, but it's it only lasts it's maybe ten seconds, because they have a nice little like friendship moment of like if I notice mm. you being different, I'll let you know. And the later we get into the season, the worse things are going to get for Will Graham. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. Was that the last sentence? Yes. Oh. Okay. okay. Here we are. The episode starts with Will sleepwalking, mm-hmm. and he's dreaming at the same time, and we see what I'm calling the feathered elk. Oh, I it call later, it the crow elk. Ooh, later <laughs> it turns into something different, and I don't know if I'm entirely comfortable using the word that was given to it, because it was 2015 and this was in the, mm. like zeitgeist of we'll have to get the internet name well they they called it the wendigo because that's Mm. a spirit that is cannibalistic Mm -hmm. so and at the time the general consensus was that uh the wendigo was creepy and withered and also horned like with elk ears not ears with elk antlers (laughs) But we've 
learned more <laughs> about these things on the internet. Just like the general internet now is like, yeah, that's not what that is. But in 2015, when we were all obsessed with this show, that's what it was for us. Mm. And I think, I can't remember if that's just something that the internet came up with the name for that thing, or if it's credited as that in the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got you. So Will's sleepwalking, and he sees the crow elk, and it's following right behind him, and then some cops pick him up and take him home, and then he goes to Hannibal's house. I don't remember why. I think just to be like, hey, I was sleepwalking, and things are getting weird. Things. This is when things start to get weird for Will Graham. This episode. This episode. All right. Essentially, things are very downhill from here. No. For Will Graham. Oh, great. You keep telling us this, and I don't want to hear it. Will compares himself to an old mug. He says that Jack, he says that Hannibal said that Jack sees him as fine china, but he's beginning to feel like an old mug. And I guess that is going to be even older mug, or what's worse than an old mug? Like a, a broken mug? forgotten soda cup under your oh gosh. <laughs> car seat. He should be here on the podcast doing these intros with us. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like one of our intros. <laughs> I am a broken mug. <laughs> My name's Will Graham. Forgotten <laughs> soda cup. <laughs> oh my gosh. So my notes started with him walking outside with Elk following him. I was like, must be a dream. And then, uh, since I haven't watched the whole show, I was like, what does this Elk represent? What does it mean? Because obviously it has some meaning. And mm-hmm. it's just becoming more prominent. I was like, is it like representing his like passion to kill creeping up? Mm-hmm. And it nudges him, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I was wondering, is it saying, go do it. Go do it. Go kill. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where, that's where my notes start. <laughs> nice. <laughs> do, you, if, do we want to talk about the elk for a little bit? Because Hannibal has an elk statue. Yeah, we see later in the episode another time that Will goes to talk to Hannibal. Hannibal has a little, uh, little statuette of exactly that elk. Mm-hmm. And so it's for us to connect in our mind that in these nightmares that Will is having, this elk is representing Hannibal. At least that's what I pick up on it. Yeah, okay. Hannibal is kind of like, he set up Will's first, or we think he set up Will's first kill, so Mm -hmm. he could also represent this, or be this weird drive to want to kill. I think it looks cool. It does look cool. pretty cool, yeah. The tail, I don't, I think it's a little bit silly. kind of looks like they took a crow tail and just put it on an elk. It's so 2013 it's kinda, CGI. Yeah, but. <laughs> Let it exist. It could look worse. <laughs> Honestly, it could look worse. 
It should have been practical. <laughs> should have taped a crow to an elf. Should have been crow sized tail. <laughs> it was <a> crow sized <laughs> What? Anyway. So, contrary uh, to the previous episode, we see our murderer uh-huh. right away. Just yeah. like three scenes in, and just like a return to form. <laughs> God, I hate myself. I thought you were kissing the murderer, but you were <laughs> no, chef's kissing. I did chef's kiss. <laughs> we see like the exterior of a motel. There's like a man walking to the little ice box to grab some ice, and then he turns, <clears throat> and there's like a couple of people walking by, and their heads aren't on fire, but then he looks at this couple, and their heads are just blazing on fire. Mm-hmm. So Flaming balls. Um, but not 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 in real life. <laughs> it's just what he he's, sees. Yeah, it's just what he's seeing. He's mm-hmm. he has a brain tumor and he's yeah, yeah, yeah. essentially delusional and hallucinating. But at the same time, he's seeing it as like a divine gift to be able to tell who is. I was gonna say like evil. <laughs> But we don't. They're I, not yet in the episode. He, I don't that they're know. evil, or is it just like these guys are marked for some reason? Well, the only reason he's seeing them with their head on fire is because they are, because the the regular family that he sees, like the mom and dad and the kid, their heads aren't on fire. They're just regular people. He's yeah. seeing them so with their head on fire because kills. they're marked. Everyone who he chooses has their heads on fire, and they are also mm-hmm. criminals. Mm-hmm. But I'm but like, it's not like okay. there's an arrow over them saying this no. is a bad person. It's True. just like this no, guy. there is for him. But it's like I was wondering maybe if they were, so so they they said that the couple was on the most wanted list, and the other mm-hmm. one was um, a convicted felon. So it's possible that they were. He may have seen them on TV, like on the news, that is and true. not, Maybe, yeah. you know, our brain captures so many things and we don't think about those things, but if you have a brain tumor, your brain is working differently. Oh, yeah. So maybe it, he saw them on the news, didn't really think like, oh, I'm going to go find them and kill them, but yeah, something, I'm not, I'm not sure. I was wondering if maybe he saw their faces and that's how the, he recognized them. Um, even though he didn't intentionally recognize them, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I feel like this, these, like, visions he has and the way that Will's, like, empathy, hyper-empathy work, mm. feel like they're in the same universe of, like, like, we can explain it away by, like, TV magic yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Or it's, like, in-universe of this story there's just like these hyper sensitive yep weird things that mm-hmm. people can see he sees these people with their heads on fire and this is his way of knowing that these are the people that he's supposed to turn into angels mm-hmm. and later in the episode we find that he wasn't a religious man but he when he was a child he had a near-death experience and a firefighter who saved him like he he 
suffocated in a burning building and firefighter who rescued him said he must have had a guardian angel and so he had that in his mind from when he was a kid Mm -hmm. and will later talks about how he okay he murders these people or actually he kind of he flays them alive and then strings them up so that they're back flesh becomes angels and he's making these angels to pray over him while he sleeps because he's afraid of dying in his sleep so it's it's less that he's looking for people who are evil to turn into angels and more he's hoping to have an angel to mm-hmm. pray over him i'm just like thinking of like how did he come up with this idea but it is his i guess we can explain it away with the brain tumor and just Mm -hmm. he's a fisher (laughs) pin is he a fisher of men (laughs) (laughs) he has been made a fisher of men Uh anyway they're the grossest angel wings in -hmm. existence they are truly disgusting. Horrifying. It, it doesn't even look that bad on the show. Like, they don't... I, they know they focus on it a couple times, but I was just imagining being in Will's shoes and seeing it in person and, mm-hmm. like, heaving, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not doing that again. Sorry. <laughs> now that we talked about the whole thing, I'm trying to go through all my notes and see uh oh something i wrote was again okay brain tumor he's not like he's really thinking through and uh, angels anyway what i wrote was why don't you just go to a church and ask you to pray for you yeah it's because there's plenty of those if you just want to be prayed for yeah but (laughs) that's what i wrote if he went oh, no, to the yeah. church, gotta make your own angels to pray for you. Had somebody pray for him, we wouldn't have a murderer to talk about. I know. <laughs> Let's talk about Will laying down on the bed Ugh. with a plastic sheet on it, but then he doesn't even put his head on the yeah. sheet. He just, why did you ask for a plastic sheet to be put on the bed so you can lay where the killer laid, and they you're do. not even gonna. They do show the plastic sheet on the bed. Like, that is something that is actually there. But, like, he doesn't... He puts his head, like, up on the head. Yeah, his head... Yeah. And I know it's, like, the plastic sheet is for, like, the rest of him also. But, like, now now your hair DNA is on the head. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Don't work. It's a TV show. It's a TV show. <laughs> Maybe he just wanna, didn't want to be on the sweaty sheets. Yeah, maybe it was less for forensics yeah. and just because they said that it was sweaty. I don't want to lay on that. Ew, ew. <laughs> he said, "This is my gift to you. I allow you mm. to become angels, and now I lay me down to sleep." No, this is my design. This no, this is my design. <gasps> Which this would be like the most. This is my designy episode to exist. Yeah, in this season from here, they get way more creative i can't wait till we talk about the man who makes cellos out of human throats oh my gosh spoilers oh my gosh okay so this part 
made me be like, I love this show. I love the writing. So, Beverly... Huh? Except for the last episode. Except for the last... Uh, I know. I know. It was such a strong feeling. (laughs) But it's funny because I feel this way because of what we talked about in our last episode, I think. Mm. So, um, Beverly, the forensics lab, um, quotes um, Jim Morrison. Mm -hmm. So, she says... Death makes angels of us all and gives us wings where we had shoulders, smooth as raven's claws. And then the other forensics guy says Robert Frost, who's also a poet, as yeah. we know. And then Will's like Jim Morrison. Mm-hmm. And the other guy looks so turned off that Will corrected him. And he's like, like wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know why. That was really funny to me. But it made me look that up because I know Jim Morrison. I know The Doors. The doors Not yeah. well, yes. But I... I know, kind of pop culture educated a little bit, but I so I looked this up, and I thought it was really interesting, because I do, don't know that much about them, and I don't know that much about him to know like their albums, their songs, and everything. I wasn't allowed so, to listen to the Doors. Oh yeah, I mean I, I'm I've heard a couple songs now, but I yeah I I even asked my mom this morning. Your mom might feel the same way. I don't know. But I figured, hey, I'll just ask my mom what her favorite song from The Doors is, since I'm looking stuff up and talking about this. She says, to be totally honest, they always creep me out. I wasn't mm-hmm. a fan. I think their songs I think their songs are creepy. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, their songs I've heard on the radio, whatever, playlists, you know, whatever. So this, this reference that Beverly actually makes is from kind of a song it's called a feast of friends um and it's from oh. their final album i know a feast of friends first of all the yeah. name of the song right oh. the, yes this is making me like i just love the writing i love all the references in the show yeah. so the album is an american prayer okay okay mm-hmm. right and so it's actually the um, ninth and final studio album by the doors it was released Seven years after Jim Morrison died and five years after the remaining members of the band broke up. So what it actually was, this, it was actually, it is a poem. So Jim Morrison wrote and recorded this poem. And then afterwards, um, the other members reunited in recording backing tracks over his poetry. So if you listen to it, it's actually like, it's pretty cool. A Feast of Friends um the poem slash song this is this is taken from um genius lyrics now this says uh jim complexly presents what is ultimately the dichotomy of life and death within it presenting in acute images the intimate feeling of both eventually culminating with the stanza i will not go prefer a feast of friends to the giant family and that's i don't need to read the rest really but i just just like the reference there and the name yeah. of the song and the album and it being more poetry because come on yeah. <laughs> i just i was just like i love this so much this is and this so good this episode is essentially about the fear of dying yeah because we also have uh we learn through the process we're made to assume that jack's wife is cheating on him but she's actually she has uh, stage four lung cancer and which parallels the murderer's brain tumor 
and he's doing these things because he's afraid of dying and Jack's wife Phyllis is pulling away from him to save him from the pain of her dying because they are the chemistry between those two actors and the characters themselves they're so in love and it's so sweet and they've been married for a while and they it's hard losing somebody when it's hard losing anybody but that just sucks having to like make the choice of like I'm dying and my death is going to hurt the people I love how do I protect them from that it's it's rough but we also get because Jack and Phyllis go to dinner at Hannibal's and Hannibal has this could also be lumped in with like the empathy and murder vision Hannibal has a super nose (laughs) (laughs) he essentially in that moment smells her cancer because he for some reason he can smell cancer good dog (laughs) (laughs) he he can smell her perfume but he can also smell her cancer and he mentions it that he could smell his former teacher's stomach cancer before he even knew that he had it and that's his way as an in to let her know that he he could smell her cancer because he's a, a weirdo who can smell what your body's doing. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> what else can he smell? Ew. Don't want to know. <laughs> Those organs are ripe for picking. Yep. Oh. The security officer? The, yeah, the, he's not really. He's mm-hmm. pretending. <laughs> Which goes back to when do we talk about some one of these episodes we talked about people pretending to be yeah mm. well wow episode oh my gosh two. another connection that is episode two yeah well, so this thing... oh go ahead I was just I wonder if he was like pretending to be a security officer or if he somehow made his identity such that he could mm. not be linked to his felony. Hmm. His, what is that? What is the adjective form of felon? Felonic? Felonic. <laughs> <laughs> His bad past. <laughs> so yeah, the next murder I victim is a convicted felon pretending to be a security guard and he gets strung up and he's given back wings. He's, he's really high up there too mm-hmm. yeah the i was wondering how he got him up there he's pretty high oh and they also okay. see that the they're calling the murderer the angel maker he's castrated himself in preparation mm-hmm. to turn himself into an angel which ooh, i don't have bits and parts like that but just the thought of insert my triggering sound here <laughs> <laughs> I was really holding it back. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Cannot even imagine. I'm yeah. in pain just thinking about it. My fingertips hurt and my toes hurt. <laughs> oh. 
yeah i don't know he had to have a pulley system or something to get the body up so high because he's like gotta be at least on the second story height because mm -hmm. there's there's it's in an alleyway it's in between two buildings yep. and he, um and his arms are spread out and his he's got flesh wings and sorry bowie is like literally putting his mouth to the mic <laughs> <laughs> there's not as much blood as last time yeah if he was, if he got a real job as a security officer, it'd probably be for kind of like just a private, like, uh, business saying, "Hey, want to be our security?" Because you have to go unless he's really good at getting like a second identity. Like they do fingerprints and background checks and all sorts mm -hmm. of things. So, yeah, I think the I think he stole somebody's security outfit. Yeah. Is what is happening there. Yeah, maybe he was up to no good. Well, you gotta, you gotta move or you gotta leave. <laughs> is that what that sound was? That was me trying to move myself with <sighs> my table, but my table made a noise. Um, also, in the alleyway scene, <clears throat> we get, like, Will being really snippy with Jack. He hasn't in slept no way. in days. Yeah. But also, was this after Hannibal, like, planted the seed yes. of, yes, yeah, of Jack, like, like, abandoning Will? Mm -hmm. But Will calls him, calls Hannibal he does, out. He does, yeah, so he knows, well, he recognizes that that might be what is happening, but Hannibal kind of, like, does a non-answer. Will says, are you trying to isolate me from... Jack Crawford and mm -hmm. Hannibal is just like I'm trying to help you figure out the angel killer. Like, well, no, but <laughs> it, it's true, and that Jack isn't like providing the appropriate. He thinks he is though because he's set Will up with Hannibal. He's nobody's yeah. understanding that Hannibal is not doing what he's supposed to be doing. <laughs> He's actually, in fact, doing the opposite. He's making it worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that kind of ties into what we talked about last, no, episode three, where Hannibal is, like, trying to isolate uh, mm -hmm. Abigail and Will from their support systems. Yeah. Which I think is another theme of this episode, is, like, knowing when to ask for help and, like, knowing yeah. how to use the support systems around you. We have uh, the angel maker, like, pulling away from his wife, who just wants to help him, but getting that help wouldn't actually help him. Yeah. And then uh, Jack and Phyllis, that support system, or, like, not knowing how to support. And then it ends with Will, like, being, it seems like the right kind of support for Jack. Yeah. I like that scene at the end. Mm -hmm where Jack has figured out and talked to his wife about her cancer and is just kind of like lost because she doesn't know how to have him help and because she doesn't want to put another thing on his plate but your spouse is there to despite that help you in situations like that or at least as much as they can 
it's hard, but it uh, will coming in and basically just being like, you, I'm just going to sit here with you. You don't have to say anything, but when you do want to talk, I'm here for you, which is very sweet. Yeah, I'm glad it ended on that note. Um, cause Will was right to voice that he had issues exactly, with Jack, yeah. even though every, all the other workers were like running away they were like that did not just happen <laughs> and it even prompted beverly to be like hey what's going on and we get that conversation between them but it yeah you kind of already said it but jack's trying to do it in a way where he's like okay well i'm gonna make sure will has help but like it's so bad for will and he doesn't really mm-hmm. want to do it and Jack's like, all right, here's another guy. Come check out this dead body. Get in this person's head. And Will's like, it's not going good. So it's, it's a lot of, it's really rough. And Jack's like, get in there anyway. Go do the thing. So I'm glad Will said something, even if it was pretty snippy. Yeah. And in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone ran. Yeah. Just like turn around. <laughs> um, we should probably talk about that was really wobbly. Probably, <laughs> um, at the farm when they find oh yeah, this person he doesn't get a name. No, um, he's uh, he does he does just not from Elliot. Me. Uh, Elliot. They do figure out who it is. Yeah, I wrote That's... it somewhere, but not in this part. <laughs> Where it's like, <laughs> I just like, <laughs> Elliot means the Lord is my God. Ah, symbolism. Wow. <laughs> love it. You turn into a. Muppet. I just love. Yeah. <laughs> I just love like, if you just watch the show, you don't notice all these things unless you just know those things. But the minute you start looking up anything, there's all these second and third meetings and connections and references, and it's just so good. Yeah. I just love it. I love it. It's done well. Because you can do that same thing and not do it very well. Mm -hmm. So it's done well. Uh, The farm. Anyway, yeah. Uh, After the not security guard and the, the... figure out that the angel maker Elliot is turning himself into an angel now they talk to his wife and they get information about his near death experience that happened at a farm and they find him too late he's got himself with wings and he's spread with his arms out as though he is on the cross and he's hanging in the rafters and that is when Will confronts Jack about it's becoming too much for him. And uh, Jack is like, well, I'm not your dad. I'm not going to tell you what you should do, but I think you should keep doing this. And uh, Will, Jack walks away and Will has a hallucination of, because he hasn't slept in days, of uh, the angel maker out of the rafters and on his knees before Will, seeing Will with the burning head, implying that 
because it's Will's hallucination, the angel maker would see him as one to be made into an angel, but it ends up not. It's just Will hallucinating, and my guy needs some sleep. Do you think what the angel maker says to Will like means anything? He says, I can give you the majesty of your becoming. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it it probably does, but I'm like, I, what does that mean to Will to himself mm. through the mouth of a murderer? I think Will sees himself as not any better than any of the murderers because mm. he can, yeah, place himself in his their shoes and see what and why they've done these things. So it he loses the ability to separate himself from them and so in his mind he's no better than them even though he hasn't killed anybody but because he can place himself in their shoes he feels like he himself is also a murderer yeah, so we have another like do you see do you see yeah mm. i, did I see what you too. are mm-hmm I can bring it out of you. So I'm sure that it's been heightened since he did kill Garrett Jacob Hobbs. Yeah. Right? And he's still feeling himself, uh, like, aligning with him and, like, assimilating with him. But what does, what does he say? I can give you majesty of true becoming? I can give you the majesty of your becoming. Of your becoming? Either he thinks or like sees himself I, I I agree that he he probably just sees himself as everybody else all the other murderers and either that or he feels like he's primed to be like it's it's hard for he doesn't see himself as like a normal like non-killer like and it's like the gates are prepared to be open and he will become his ultimate self I don't know yeah whether you know he whether he wants that or not it, maybe he feels like that's his fate and he's fighting it well, he wants to fight it yeah he wants to fight it how are we feeling about will about the episode about, about our the episode. show all of it <laughs> i i liked the episode it's weird it's i feel like i'm less apt to try to analyze anything because of his brain tumor because mm-hmm. it's not like he was devising this plan. And if it was, if, if you know, it, anything, it wasn't like, it wasn't normal brain devising. It's nothing that I would be able to understand. Not that I can understand anything like that. I'm not Will. But, you know, I, I can't. Um, brain tumors are weird. They make your brain do weird things. Parts of your brains are turning off and the other parts are flaring up and everything's not right so Mm. it's uh do we want to do our will check-in oh will is Uh, not doing good will is having a hard time yeah this is bad for him but he can't stop doesn't jack say that like if he did stop he wouldn't be able to like live without just thinking about it all the time yeah the killers that are going around yeah. Yeah. 
he is speaking up for himself, and I'm proud of him. But that's good. Yeah, I'm very worried about him. Just wait till he starts drawing clocks. No. no. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. <laughs> You're awesome. Whenever I think about afters, I think about Jenna Marples saying, I put up videos every Wednesday slash Thursday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I miss her. I do too. I do three. Anyway, we have socials if you want to check them out. It's Fake Ones Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok. We post there semi-regularly. Uh, and if you want to email us, it's fakeonespod at gmail.com. All of the music in our episode is by They Love Them. And you can find a link to their SoundCloud in the episode's description. And episodes go up every other Monday. I don't have it in my schedule, so I don't know when the next one's supposed to be up. But <laughs> check next Monday. <laughs> check next Monday. I know when the next one from right now is, but mm-hmm. when this episode comes out, just check every Monday. If it's there, <laughs> it's there. And if it's not, listen to the last episode. Again. Again. On repeat, forever. And if you didn't catch us when we first started, go back to our first episode. Rachel, you're so good at this. <laughs> I'm glad someone thinks so. <laughs> All right. All right. Blow kisses. Uh-huh. Mwah. <laughs> 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 That's just what you wanted from us. A nice sweat sound. Gross. Oh, no. <laughs> Bye. Bye.